0: Now on to the show.
1: Welcome to Morning Walk and Photo Talk with the Artist Forge. So glad to have you with us here at the end of the week after some fantastic discussions this week on managing conflict and confrontation. Um, Really, really glad we had so many amazing folks join us last night in the Facebook group and online and YouTube for the live stream and so much incredible participation. It was so great hanging out with you guys and getting to just kind of discuss all the things we've been talking about, put some fine points on it, getting some great new points um to to think about from our friends. So really grateful to have you there for that and excited because today we're going to have kind of a transitionary talk. So during our stream last night, Kat mentioned something called phoenixing. I'm going to let her explain what that means before we get into the conversation. But it'll be a really great stepping stone or segue as we move into next week. This week, we talked a lot about external conflict and external confrontation. Next week, we're going to look more about, we're going to look more about you'll have to forgive me this morning. Next week, we're going to talk about internal conflict, internal confrontations, and see how we can kind of tie these things together. And that's why today's conversation should be really fantastic, because Kat introduced this idea of phoenixing, which I found really interesting and apparently I do, only not exactly in the way she described, but it, it is true for me. I'm interested to see if it's true for y'all too. And I can't wait for Kat to talk a little bit about it and see how do we not burn it all down to the ground. So I'm gonna let Kat introduce the topic and then we'll get into the conversation for today.
2: So phoenixing is probably my greatest form of self-sabotage. Um I I found myself like at 18 walking away from my family and being like screw you I don't want your support I don't want your money I don't want your anything and I'm going to do this all on my own and this thing called life right and I would set goals and life adventures would happen and and all of these things but whenever I would set a goal and like bust my ass to reach it like this next level of growth thing um and it could be anything throughout life, whether it was college or jobs or whatever. Say hello, Matilda. Uh, inevitably, right afterwards, when this does happen with a lot of people who are setting major goals that are outside of their comfort zone, they reach it and then they sort of dip a little bit because they, they take a breath, right? Like you run the marathon and then you stop to, to take your breath. But then just following that, I would immediately burn everything to the ground so that I could then build back up again and have that feeling of accomplishment instead of turning that that goal, that thing into my new baseline. I would dig right back down to where I was or farther below so that I could use my energy to accomplish the thing to get back out of it again so I could feel that thing again instead of just moving forward and moving up because you know our lives are not linear right so I I have since coined the term as uh phoenixing I'm a professional Phoenician
1: oh my goodness so first thank you so much um for for sharing your story and holy wow I can't tell you um, how crazy it was first to to hear you talk about that and kind of describe it. And then we go, Whoa, I definitely see some echoes of that um, in my own life. And I would love to hear from Matt and Becca as well. Is this something y'all have experienced or done to yourselves um, over the course of your career or your life?
0: Does the Pope shit in the woods? (laughs) Yeah, of course. (laughs) Um, So I think, I'm sorry. Good morning, guys. Sorry. It just um, all of a
1: sudden made me think of a bear replacing the Pope in the Vatican shitting in his gold toilet. So, it's... You
0: know, Whatever whatever, whatever works. I've never been great at analogy. So um, I think, you know, cats coached me for years. And this is something that I do quite a bit. Not only the, the Phoenician part of it, but the, the pure self-sabotage. And I think I was talking about this a little bit last night on the uh, on the webinar about. Um, upper limits, right? But yeah, I found myself burning down and reinventing myself over and over and over again. And it wasn't until Kat really talked about it last night that I felt that I had a connection to that. Um, I just thought I had that seven-year itch because it seems to be in my life about every seven years, um, I go through a complete reinvention of myself. First, it was You know, going from biotech into high tech, going from high tech to the bar industry, the bar industry to photography and on and on and on. So um, and then within photography, I segment that into commercial work and now portraiture. I'm expecting that in about two years, I'll get fed up with it and all those bridges that I burn are going to light my way forward. So I think. Yeah, this is something that I go through quite a bit. And it's only until recently, probably in the past year, that I've started to notice those behavior patterns that force me to take a hard look at why I'm doing it and dig a little bit deeper. Why do I feel this need to self-sabotage? Why do I feel the need for reinvention? Rather than just setting some new goals and building upon it rather than starting from scratch every time. So, yeah, this, this hits really close to home.
1: A hundred percent. Becca, what about you? Have you experienced anything along these lines as well?
3: Yeah. I mean, this is kind of interesting to think about because I've definitely gone through various iterations of myself. And um, maybe I've been lying to myself and like telling myself it was a type of adaptability. When really it was some kind of form of self-sabotage. I don't know. That's a crisis to have at six a.m.
1: <laughs> it's it's definitely something to think about, right? I mean, um, I so the way that this that this idea kind of manifests in my life is that I, if you've never heard the term multi potentialite before. Um, it's a word that kind of describes those of us who are passionate about many things and we have skills in many areas and we never seem to be able to cut everything off to be able to focus on one of them feels like chopping off limbs. Um, and so it, it makes our focus spread out over many things, which makes it really hard to get ahead. Um, because you don't have the, the same amount of energy to put into the area that other folks do who can focus on just their you know, their, their portrait business or you know, their novel writing or whatever it is. I'm like trying to write novels and trying to write books and uh, you know, trying to, to teach and have the artist forge and do my photography and all of that kind of stuff um, across many areas. So it, it becomes a little bit of a problem. But the, the biggest part I've noticed that falls in line with what Kat is describing is that once I start to hit milestones within an area um, that tell me I'm, I'm getting close to mastery, I I start to get disinterested and I'm like, ah, how about this new thing? I will learn how to make armor out of foam or I will start painting with oils or I will start doing hand embroidery or sewing costumes or whatever it is. All of a sudden now um, I, I find that I'm off looking for the next high, which I think there must be something for me in that process of, getting those advances and skill I think I must be chasing those things because I'm I'm constantly moving into areas that I have not a lot of experience in and ignoring the thing that was getting me you know farther down the road all of a sudden and I've never actually abandoned anything I always come back to it but of course now I'm gaining this passel of things with me that are just getting really heavy to carry around and I don't seem to be able to leave any of them behind. Whereas if I had, if I had stuck with the one thing, um, even having the other things as kind of satellite things I enjoyed, but the one you know direction I was pushing in, and moving past those goals and into the next realm without just jumping ship, I really wonder what the difference in my career would be. And like you, Becca, I'm now questioning myself on is this in some aspect of my personality that that just manifests itself this way? Or am I actually sabotaging myself? Um, and if I am, why? Why am I doing it? So I'd love to hear, Kat, like you realize this about yourself. What do you do? I mean, do you have any ideas for how we, is this something we can, avoid? Is it something we can fix? Is it just like, what happens? What's, what happens now?
2: You know, it's interesting when you talk about like the, the multiple interests and wanting to go and do the things, right. Uh, I remember in high school when I went to um, a magnet high school, which was, and it was magnet because it was a performing arts high school. So Like people that were districted for the school could go to the school for academics and standard high school experience, or you could audition out of district to really focus on a particular type of art. So for some people that was, you know, like 2D artwork, for some people that was music, for some people that was film, dance, theater, so on and so forth. And uh, I was there on music and uh, as a singer But I also was involved in theater troupes, and I painted and I did all the things. And this bass player that I was in class with looked at me and he was like, what the fuck cat? Like, just pick one thing. Like you don't, you can't do all the things. And I just remember looking at him and being like, the fuck I can't. Why? Like, why do I have to pick one thing? Um, Because, you know, you have that, that, interest and that enthusiasm and that joy that comes through when you're when you're really into something and you know you don't have to pick one thing out of a space of love however professionally like you know you can't ride two horses with one ass kind of a situation uh, because it's splitting your focus um and i realized that in that college darkroom class, right, when I was studying film in college, and being like, oh, I don't know how to make a business out of this. So I'm just going to do it for fun and whatever. And it would just turn into a hobby. And then sound engineering didn't work and like all of the things. And so I noticed that I'm starting to phoenix things when I'm intentionally making choices that I know are not in my best interest for my current goal. And that could be not necessarily in the form of distraction with another thing that I like, right? It could be in the form of, oh, well, I think I'm going to drink tonight. I know I have, like, 47 appointments tomorrow and six photo shoots and, like, all the things. I think, yeah, whiskey sounds like a good idea, right? Because I know that I'm going to be like, ah, f- fuck my life the next day. But then at the end of the day, I'm going to get through it and be like, see, cat, you're fine. You got through it. Everybody had a great time. You accomplished all the things. Um, but I know when I start making those choices out of a distraction space versus even a self-care distraction, right? Like can be, you know what? I really need to go to bed because I don't want to deal with the work that's in front of me. So it's that avoidant tendency. Um, and then, you know, that can definitely steamroll. Like, I think after our call last night, I was up really late working on a, an editing job for a client because I'd said I would do it and because I didn't give myself enough time to do it. And I overpromised and was like, no, cat, do not go to bed and apologize later. Just do the thing. And that was in my best interest, even though it was making up for the fact that I just put myself in a shitty situation. Does that make sense? Yeah.
1: And I'm, you know, I'm just thinking about like, uh, how do we, so once we've realized that we have this tendency to kind of burn everything down, um, you know, once we've reached that place, is, is that avoidable? I mean, is that something that we can start to, build into ourselves and go, okay, I recognize that I do this. How do I stop myself from doing it next time? And it's cool that for you, some of that is is starting to become, um, you're realizing you're doing it to yourself. Um, how do you think we, how do you think we integrate this idea so that it doesn't become having to start? Um, I think you have to recognize what your tendencies are.
2: You know, like you have either an anxious personality type or an avoidant, right? So, I mean, that's to oversimplify. But for me, I'm avoidant. So I start to notice myself doing those avoidant behaviors. And that's when a flag goes up and I'm like, oh, uh-oh, what am I not looking at, right? And that's really the only way I can kind of rein myself in when I go on to that, like, Burn my life to the ground kind of space,
3: right,
1: yeah, that makes sense, so it sounds like the first step is just really noticing what your red flags are right like what what starts Absolutely. to happen when you're moving on that yeah. road yeah, for sure, okay, awesome so once we start to notice what those red flags are and i I certainly I mean I'm surprised how much I'm with you on how many of this stuff because I certainly will have those avoidant behaviors um but once we recognize that i know for me and this is this has been true since i was relatively young in fact um when i i got a a scholarship to theater school out of high school my english and drama teacher um had written a recommendation to me uh, for me to the college i wanted to go to and one of the things that she said in the recommendation was nicole is a very frank person if she doesn't like something she won't do it and i was really surprised that she included that in a recommendation but I understand looking back that what she meant is Nicole's really passionate about this thing. And so that means she's going to be very devoted to it. Um, But like to hear her say that, and then to think of myself now and the fact that once the the blush is off the rose, all of a sudden it becomes much, much harder to stay in the game past those initial gains. I know I mentioned, you know, when I'm building those skills, you you reach those milestones and you're like, hell yes, I am awesome. And then you keep going, you're heading for the next milestone. But all of a sudden, when you get closer to mastery or closer to, I don't want to say necessarily mastery, but um, when you get closer to being really conversant in a skill, those milestones get a lot farther apart. And all of a sudden it doesn't seem like it's worth the effort to continue to trudge along to the next milestone do you have any tips for how we keep ourselves on the path? Like, I've seen the red flag. I recognize that the behavior is, is going to come up. Is this just a pure, I'm going to grit and will myself through it? Or are there any like tips and tricks we can use to kind of stay in love with that part of the journey instead of just falling off the path and running off?
2: Um, I think, the, at least for me, the fastest way for me to get back on track is to A, remember not just the goal, but the why and the emotion tied to it, right? What am I, why did I make the goal in the first place? What's exciting about that for me? Where is that, that fervor coming from? What will I experience by achieving X, Y, or Z? Uh, And the fastest and the sooner that I can get into that heart space, the easier it is for me to get back on track and be like, you know what? No set the boundary do the
1: thing that makes a lot of sense i love hearing your puppy being like give me the lovin's pay attention to me
2: she um, does this thing where when she can hear other people whether it's a video call or clubhouse like she knows if she bugs me enough i'll just let her go do the thing and play with her frisbee outside
1: <laughs> <laughs> so she's like clever no oh, fris- clever pooch yeah um I think it's it's really interesting you mentioned that and I'm drawing a lot of correlations between a conversation that we had a few weeks ago. I mentioned how staying with a skill set in a big way or or a discipline is kind of like marriage. You have that initial the excitement of, you know, the the romance and the butterflies in the stomach and you can't wait to do the thing and um, see the person, and you know there's there's so much um initial joy and passion excitement of exploration there, and then you're together for a little while and you you begin to kind of settle and pretty soon you become used to one another, and those initial passions and that you know um, the physicality of the emotion, the butterflies in the stomach and the sweaty palms, and all those things that make first love fun start to kind of disappear because that's the nature of um that's the nature of becoming familiar with something, but another thing replaces it. Those, you, It's like going from a, a sapling to a full-grown tree. You've got these deep roots and this calmness and this settledness that is really beautiful and fulfilling in its own way, but getting there can be a really difficult prospect, and I love the idea um, of being rooted in your why as a way to make sure that you don't abandon the project on the way, um, which is, of course, why we spent all of that time asking ourselves well what is our why and how do we get to it and how deep do we have to dig before we find out what root is deep enough that it's going to keep us here for this entire time instead of just you know falling off the rails and it might also be important to think about the fact that there are certainly times in our life um i losing a call am I here?
2: Oh, I can hear you now.
1: Okay. Um, I've been having weird service inside my house. Um, yeah. And uh, so there, I think are certainly times when we we should burn everything down, right? It, it's, it's time to move on. Um, and many of us wouldn't be where we're at if we had not made those decisions, but then you, you had to wonder where would I be if I had, like, if I had stayed or if I hadn't stopped or if I had pushed on past it, um, you know, where would I be? There's so many possibilities in my mind that becomes terrifying. (laughs) Like what would have happened if, if I forced myself to stay on the path, am I giving up what my future would have been otherwise? Well, I mean, yeah, apparently I am. I've,
2: I've often wondered about the thing, right? Like, uh, regrets are, are funny. Um, One of my biggest phoenixing moments was getting accepted into Juilliard and then deciding, no, I don't want to do that. I think I want to drink OE800 and do a bunch of drugs and get married to this dude I know I'm not going to stay with forever. Uh, Yeah, I think I'll do that. And now, you know, at 45, I'm like, what would have happened had I actually gone to Juilliard and done the thing, right? And uh, how different would my life be today? But I, you know, <laughs> very, very
0: different. Very. Hey guys, can I jump in on this? Cause I love this point, And it was something I was thinking about on the drive home. And I'd love to redirect that just a little bit because, and I'm going to get a little bit woo woo as you know me. Um, but every moment of our life, Leads us to exactly where we are, right? And the conscious mind can say, well, what would happen if I had done this? And what would happen if I had stayed with that guy or stayed in that job or done that thing? Sure, you can do that and look at it as negative, or you can frame it and say, that was exactly what the universe or God or whatever your guidance is was the right thing for me because it avoided a lot of pain down the road right so i know that the self-sabotage thing can sound really negative but it might be just course correction from deeper parts of your subconscious saying i'm not supposed to do this i am supposed to go down here and it manifests itself in maybe some you know some more socially destructive behavior but i think we really need to look at it in a way that it's just constant course correction to where we're supposed to be in life rather than living with regret and saying that that was a wrong choice or i shouldn't have done that i think the phoenixing can be rebirth and regrowth and you know something extraordinarily positive rather than looking at it as burning something to the ground and it's just it's the way that i'm starting to look at it um and it just feels right to me to look at it that way i'm not saying it's right or wrong it's just how i'm I'm approaching
1: it. I think that's a really, you know, I mean, clearly we we kind of were touching on the same point there. And I think it's really interesting to think about because maybe what we have had in the past as examples of success have often been only a certain kind of success. And what I mean by that is you know, when I think about without diving too deep, when I just think about what it would look like to be successful in my career, I imagine reaching the pinnacle of it and being known for what I do and having my services be desirable and having a long history in that career. And you know you, you you think about the folks who have been doing it for a long time those people who you know you know their name like you know we think of Annie and we think of all of these photographers who have been in the game for years and they've kind of they've reached about as far as you get you know with with photography um and what we see and i believe that those are the examples that are often held up for us as this is what success looks like and this is what we should desire but we rarely ever hear stories of success that are, you know, I have done this thing and this thing. I did all of these things. I'm, I'm, I love my life and I'm happy. I've had all of these amazing, very varied experiences. Um, and I'm, I'm living the life that I want. I, I don't regret any anytime I burned something down. I ended up exactly where I should be, um, and i think we don't have a lot of those stories because they don't fall very neatly within that hero's journey right like they they're not linear they don't have a neat conclusion where we can draw these um interesting morals or whatever it it's much more of a messy ride but that doesn't necessarily mean that those aren't success stories they just aren't as easy to tell stories about and maybe some of the feeling that something wrong is happening is coming from not having stories like that to hold up as examples of success, if that makes any sense. I'm literally thinking out loud. So let me know if that sounds completely crazy. But um, maybe that's why when you initially mentioned this, this idea, Kat, um, maybe that's why my initial reaction was like, oh, no, failure. You know what I mean? Um, Instead of Maybe this is some, like you were mentioning, Matt, some kind of internal course correction. And we don't really have examples of that, or at least not many, where somebody says, hey, you know what success looks like? (laughs) Like this. It's usually from the time I was little, I knew I wanted to be a biochemist. And so I trekked on the road and I had these difficulties to overcome and I almost made it and then I failed, but I never gave up. And now I've reached the end and everybody knows my name. Um, that's what we see, right? We don't see, I started out as this, but then that wasn't right. And I went and did this, but that, and it was great while I was there, but I lost interest. And then I went and did this. We rarely see that, right? As, as the example. So I wonder if there's something to that. Um, I see that we've got some hands up too. And as we are at the halfway point, I'll start bringing up folks, but Becca, I noticed you unmuted. So I want to hear from you. Um,
3: Yeah. I mean, mean, that kind of idea of what matt was saying um about rebirth is sort of where that initial crisis was for me right because i've definitely gone through a lot of strange changes through my life and my life is nothing like i could have imagined when i was a child or a teenager um but i don't feel like that's necessarily a failure like cats you know early adulthood Story of you know not going to Juilliard and going off to get drunk and marry some guy. I basically did that same stupid shit and threw all those you know hopeful 17 year old, 18 year old dreams out the goddamn window to marry some guy, and uh, that didn't work very well. Um, <laughs> you know, and it. I, I could very easily take in that as a failure. And in a lot of ways, it was me burning down everything that I had ever wanted to do in my life up until that point, because I did, I threw everything that I ever wanted away and every opportunity away to be with someone. And, um, I, I didn't, it, it was a kind of rebirth though, because then I came out of that and I was in a really bad situation. I had no money at all. I had nowhere to live. I had two babies and, uh, I was barely old enough to go buy myself a beer to cry into. And, uh, instead I had to find solutions. So I did, and I found work and I developed a career and I fixed all my problems and, you know, turn myself into this big, beautiful burning Phoenix without letting myself stay this pile of ash on the ground, if that makes sense. So like it, it very could have Like parts of it, I think were maybe self-sabotaging, you know, like being afraid of going out and doing things on my own or, you know, being afraid of being single or, you know, whatever it was, or even the fear of success, right? Like, you know, what if I had not pursued that particular relationship and had gone off to take like an internship somewhere far away, like thousands of miles away from home, maybe I was afraid of that. Um, But yeah, I mean, I just, I I don't know. I just never really thought of it as all self-sabotaging when everything did burn to a crisp. It's hard to think about.
1: It is. It's such an interesting topic. Um, I'm, I'm really glad we get the chance to discuss it today. Melissa, I've been trying to bring you up. I see your hand up. I'm not sure why it's not letting me, um, but I have sent the invite. So if you want to come, please do. Oh, there we go. Hi. We got you. Hi. I,
4: um, I think that sometimes, and not in every case, every case is going to be so different, but I feel like sometimes when we look back and we see those choices that we made, to and we we could see them as self-sabotage there was something going on i found in in my life at least and seen in a few other cases uh that there was something not right about that big decision i could have made or that big direction i was about to take my life into um there was something that i just that was at conflict with either at the time or because of the dis- direction i was going and a lot of that i couldn't quite digest i couldn't quite understand or you know resolve within myself that something didn't feel right and it was more than just you know being afraid to take that leap um and it may have been being afraid to take that leap and that i wasn't in a place where i was ready to go that direction yet so there's i mean there's so many different caveats but a lot of times we just have that tension within us that tells us that something about where we're going is not right like we're excited it seems it's our dreams. It's just for me. I found that there was a direction I was going, and I look back, and I'm and I realize that it wasn't the it it wasn't going to be the right thing for me at the time. I wasn't quite ready. Some other things may have happened in the un, that were unknown, but I but I also didn't handle it coming like bouncing back from that. I did do some of that self sabotage because I was overwhelmed and I didn't process that decision that I had just made to go in the opposite direction I was planning um, and was feeling sorry for myself for quite a while. Like, you know, that'll throw you down into depression quite quickly. And, and um, when you haven't been able to process it and make new plans or find a new way, or it even takes you a little while to figure out which way you're going to go from there. It's really, um, defeating I guess is the the right word but I feel like we can often look back and give ourselves a little more credit that there was something that wasn't quite right that we were following our intuition um and doing the best that we could for ourselves at the time but unfortunately we didn't or I didn't um handle the rest of that following my intuition and I didn't realize that what I was doing that's what I was doing um well and it took me longer of course to learn the lesson and and f- find the direction that i needed to go but i so my point was to give yourselves a little more credit sometimes even though you may have not had know. you
1: know melissa as you were as you were speaking um you were making me think of something really interesting and i'm just going to throw this out there before uh we ask to hear what win has to say but I wonder how often this act of phoenixing is actually us looking to fall back down into our level of comfort, and apparently, my level of comfort is often being the learner and and gaining the new skill and not as often standing in my power as a master of my skill set. Um, what do I do once I'm there? What do I do then? i i so i I do wonder how often when we do of course, like like you said, you know sometimes these decisions, and as Matt mentioned, sometimes these kind of unconscious decisions happen because we recognize at some level we're not doing the thing we're supposed to be doing right then, or something is not right, but then I also wonder how often when it is not the when it was not the right decision or or when um we had a true goal that we we really wanted to follow, how often that does become an act of self-sabotage where we are trying to get back to the level of our comfort drop back down to that place um, so just a thought, thought something to
4: maybe it's something that I mean as mentors you can look back and see where that point was that you were able to recognize um, whether it was I recognize that feeling that that you were having that made you make a decision one way or the other I think that's a, a big thing in in like an artistic kind of unformed uh career that we we tend to
1: yeah very true i mean hindsight hindsight definitely gives you a lot of insights there um Wyn, i would love to hear your thoughts
5: well as many of you know i have been in this business for a very long time i am 73 years old i am looking back on what i consider to be a tremendously successful career and life And if you don't mind, I'll take you through some of it. I became a photographer after watching the Antonioni movie Blow Up. That looked like a wonderful lifestyle when I was a young person in the 60s. And I said, I'd like to do that. And uh, I moved from the motorcycle business into the photography business with no skills. And uh, no photography skills and no and no business skills and uh, I was lucky that I was able to uh, stay alive long enough to gain some of both of those I was a snow ski instructor for much of my life from the time I was in my uh, early 20s until I moved to Florida every winter I would spend on ski hills being paid to teach people what I loved to do I became a college professor without a degree they had to let me teach, I wrote the textbook. I enjoy photography in all of its aspects. I have been a commercial photographer, a portrait photographer, a wedding photographer, um, a teacher of photography. As I look back on my career, the most important thing to me has been photography business allowed me to spend time with my family when I wanted to. So I got to be the dad that was uh, a soccer coach who didn't know how to play soccer and a tennis coach to my daughter and a softball coach to my baseball coach to my kids. Having, I raised up four wonderful children, all of whom I'm proud of as adults as I look back on all of that from here I can't think of anything I would have changed that would have made me feel more successful I made an early decision I'm not going to go to New York and beat my head against the fashion industry it wasn't that exciting as far as I'm concerned and uh, I didn't want to be that kind of photographer I wanted to be a photographer who could stay home and play with his kids and For that, I am eternally grateful. I got to make some pictures that made some other people happy. I got to photograph my own family. I got to photograph my dad, who's been gone a while now, and my mom, and I have wonderful images of them. And I owe this industry more than I can ever, ever repay. To be the incoming president of my photographic association, I am proud to be uh, a teacher that has lots of students who are successful in our business and I couldn't think of anything I could have done that makes me that would make me more successful in my own mind. And that's where your success has to be. If you're happy with what you do, if you if what you do makes you happy in the doing of it, then you are successful far beyond what most people Ever achieve? I'm happy to say that. That's how I feel about it, and I'll shut up now.
1: I'm grateful that we have you as an example, Wynn. and thank you so much for sharing that. It's definitely something to think about and something to carry forward into this conversation. Um, we also have Cicila and Skylar who joined us. So, Cicila, would love to hear what you have to say, and then Skylar.
6: It's an incredibly interesting subject, um, because it's not straightforward. <laughs> there are so many nuances to this. And I think that there is the top layers of it, which is we change our lives because we don't feel right about the direction that our life is heading for different reasons. Um, personally, I have, <laughs> I've changed my lives quite a few times. Um, I thought I was supposed to be an academic and instead I decided to burn that life to the ground, move from Copenhagen and move across the pond to this country. So here I am and now I'm a photographer and that's amazing. Um, I think sometimes there's, there's beauty in burning things to the ground because as bird Phoenix, you can rise from the ashes and move towards your, your true purpose. But there's also micro things in it um, in a, in a, in a day-to-day Thing Like, oh, do I want to do personal branding now? Okay, then I have to completely focus entirely on um, uh, creating these personal branding images. I need to focus entirely on, on um, marketing and all these other different things because now I'm a personal branding photographer. Instead of just being like, oh, I am also a personal branding photographer. But in the process of um, saying we're only something only a personal branding photographer only a boudoir photographer we burn all the other opportunities to the ground and forget about the fact that everything can be coexisting at the same time Uh, i personally have a tendency to burn things to the ground not not in the direct sense of oh i don't want to do that more in the sense of i'm going to focus entirely on this one thing and then i'm going to forget everything else in my life because this is what i'm doing now And, and it it's, I I think it comes from a fear of success. Um, success is this size that is a little unknown. I haven't tried it, so I'm a little scared of it, but I do know what, what failure means and being in this one place and not really progressing. And that's kind of safe. It's not good. It's kind of toxic to stay there, but Hey, at least I know what it is. So, so there's so many, there's so many aspects to it that is important to consider. And I think as Kat very well said, it's important that we, um, we bear in mind our red flags, we observe them, we watch them, we see when they pop up and then we have a conversation with ourselves. Why am I doing this? Is it because I don't love where the direction my life is taking me? Okay, then we should talk about that. <laughs> or is it because um, there is something, in your life that needs tweaking and you're trying to avoid conflict within yourself, conflict within your career in order for you to avoid it. I don't know if that made sense. It's still, it's not early morning, but I'm a late riser. So my brain is not entirely functioning yet. Not, yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you're right, you know, this is not a cut and dry thing to talk about. There's so many different influences that are, that are, going to make each individual experience of what it looks like to burn things down unique. And, you know, maybe paying attention to those red flags and being a little more present with ourselves. You know, like Kat said, she's able to see when those behaviors are the the red flag kind and not the, hey, I can tell something is wrong kind, right? Like there's, there's a difference in the way that those feel. Um, and so maybe the best thing we can do there is just learn to be really present and to recognize our our emotions and our instincts for what they are. And hopefully that'll give us a little bit more clarity so we can read those things before they become um, you know, decisions that we can't take back. So definitely something we're thinking about. I want to make sure we get to Skylar and then come back to Kat so she can kind of wrap this up from what we've heard today and, and give some final thoughts in there. So Skylar, what? Are...
7: Yeah, Cisla, I really like how you asked the question of why am I doing this? Why am I trying to uh, move past these red flags? And uh, I think sometimes we can reach a point where uh, it might seem like regret, but we keep moving forward and, um, as we're continuing to move forward uh, into uh, another comfort zone so that way we can look back and see that it wasn't regret it was really just not where we were exactly where we wanted to land and Nicole I liked how you brought up uh, the comfort zone because Uh, moving past these points of regret right I think we move more towards uh, finding a new comfort zone and uh, once we do uh, arrive it's like okay what else needs to change so that way uh, to your point when I can spend more time with my family and help other people create uh, valuable memories and uh, just moving from one point to the next, uh, keeping that hint of uncomfortable uncomfortability, I guess. Um, and I think there's a lot of value in that. So I'm done.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's a great point. Um, as you were as you were speaking and talking about what Sisala had mentioned, it actually made me wonder how often we confuse regret with grief. Um, and what I mean by that is, I think anytime we're forced to recreate our identity, whether that is through some unconscious decision we've made or through even the conscious decision to you know what I'm I'm going to ignore all of these things now and just focus on this one thing like you said cat it's hard to ride two horses with one ass i apparently am very good at it i must have a really big ass <laughs> but um um i mean good at doing it not like successful at it but um it makes me wonder how often when we step away from those things, what we're really feeling is not necessarily regret, but just the grief of saying goodbye to the new thing. And if it's easy to confuse regret and say, oh, I shouldn't have done it with the grief of now I have to learn how to be something, someone new. So just a thought. But as we start to come to a close, we've had a lot of really fantastic observations on this idea of phoenixing, and I would love to hear Cat what you think of the conversation so far, what people have said um and if you have any final thoughts to leave everyone with as it relates to what's been a really, really fantastic topic um
2: yeah, I love the the way the conversation's going and the different perspectives around the topic, right like um you know Matt. Noting the the soul correction, right, the course correction from from your soul space. Uh, but one thing I definitely wanted to touch on that we can certainly go down a rabbit hole for next week. Um, Cicely mentioned that a lot of times that these things occur because of a fear of success, and I definitely agree with that on a really big scale. Um, but one of the things that I've asked myself when that that kind of fear rears its head um, is, you know, there's that, what's the quote? Uh, What if I fall? Oh, darling, but what if you fly? Uh, Understanding that a fear of success is literally imposter syndrome, because what is there to fear in that success, but totally ruining it and going lottery style and, you know, winning it big and then blowing it all and then having everybody else in the world Witness you burning everything to the ground because inevitably that's what I'm going to do anyway, right? Uh, and it's that mindset that keeps us, it's that that limit that we've set for ourselves, like, no, I, I can't have it all because if I do, what if I lose it? Well, you don't even have it yet. You don't even have it yet. So worry about that bridge when you're ready to burn it to the fucking ground. In the meantime, go get the thing, go do the thing, go live the life um, and that's that's why phoenixing is is such a dangerous form of self-sabotage because you know we're all here. we all have the the same the same grace of being able to live the lives that that we want to and we're never going to do that if we think that, we don't deserve it in the first place.
1: Oof. The fact that when you just said, cause that's inevitably what I'm going to do, like the the word inevitably, oh man, hit me in the chest. Like, Oh yeah. Like a 20 ton mallet. <laughs> yeah. That's a big one. And you know, it, it's interesting. I find that there's, there's two, two things there there's that imposter syndrome that that fear of loss of the thing that you so desperately want and then it made me realize that for me there's certainly an aspect of it there but then the other aspect is once I get it now what and I think the reason is because I've experienced that feeling before um, that led into the only actual serious depression I've had in my whole life where I couldn't eat and I lost weight and I felt really disconnected from the people and the things around me. Um, And my husband had been gone for about two years um, because of military things, living in different places, doing training, all of this stuff. And I was raising two boys um, by myself, and we had just moved to a new place, and he had to leave again for training and then again as a deployment. And during all of that time, my entire being was focused on when he comes back, when he comes back, when he comes back. Everything seemed to be, you know, This is what we'll do. And this is how things will change. And this is how it will feel. And he came back and it was amazing. And then I crashed and burned the most I've ever crashed and burned. Um, And now that I know what that feels like, when you accomplish the thing that you really were looking for, we have to be aware that there's going to be some inevitable backlash. Like now that you have done the thing, your life cannot be centered around the thing anymore. Um, you can't you can't keep going after what you already have. You have to reorient and ask yourself, what is the next thing? And I think I certainly have some fear in that area. What does it mean when I reach the next thing? Because I know how far that crash can pull me. Um, so I think there's a, a weird dual existence there happening, at least for me, where there's certainly some of that fear of, well, what if you get it and then you lose it? And then also the fear of, well, but then what? Like what happens then? You get there and, and now you have it so it's over. Like that that chase, that hunger, that drive, that dream is good, it's done, yay. That was five seconds of pleasure, now what, right? So there's, I think, certainly both sides of that for me when I, when I think about what happens there. And there may be some folks who have ended up in the same place.
3: I wonder um, how many or how these moments of rebirth, whatever they may be, um, are kind of actually bringing us all closer to our deeper whys that we brought about um, up. And I guess like Nicole, you always want to ask your artists during your interviews, you know, what is your why? And it tends to get a little bit deeper than just the, I want to be a photographer, I want to be a cinematographer, I want to be a writer, whatever that is. And I I feel like there's probably a very common thread for everyone throughout each of these types of rebirth. Um, Like even, uh, you know, Kat's example, going from music and now finding herself as a photographer. I mean, there is a common thread there of some sort of artistic creativity, right? Or even for yourself, Nicole, like from photography to painting to storytelling and writing, like there, there is that common storytelling, fantastical imaginative thread. So I'm curious if there is some sort of similarity there for everyone in, you know, their various forms of being reborn.
1: That's a really good question. If maybe every rebirth is pulling us a little bit closer to that, That that through line, right, of being where we should be is a really good question. It's such a super interesting topic and really, really engaging to think about um, often because there isn't necessarily a perfect or right answer to settle on. And I think this is where, you know, a lot of our discussion and a lot of what this group has been about since the beginning is a lot of exploration and a lot of looking at ourselves and being present and, you know, recognizing our thoughts and um, and our motivations. And so this is certainly one of those topics that forces you down that path. And maybe that's really the only absolute answer we have is, you know, know thyself, right? The better, the better we know, the more... The decisions we make can represent who we really are, what we really want to be, all of those things. So super grateful to Kat for bringing up this topic. And it makes me really look forward to our discussions next week on some of these specific internal conflicts that we have. Things like, you know, fear and imposter syndrome and the the different reasons we might hold ourselves back or push ourselves in the wrong direction, or maybe potentially eventually the right direction. That's going to be a really fantastic conversation to have. So I would encourage everybody over the weekend, if you know you're going to be here next week, to to do a little bit of soul searching and think a little bit, because I really truly believe that we all have important stories to tell. And when we can tell them to each other, they may be the key that unlocks somebody else's journey or story or the bars that are holding them back from moving on to become the person that we want to be and i've heard people say i don't really think i have anything important to contribute because maybe they've heard somebody else tell a similar story and thought well you told it better than i could so what is the point in saying anything the point is that your experience of your own story the way you would describe and explain it is absolutely 100% unique to you. And when somebody, there's somebody out there who has been walking a similar path and they're not going to be able to move on until they hear the story the way only you can tell it. So as we move through the weekend and when we start to come back um, next week, really be thinking about what you could share if you feel moved to share, because there's a really good chance that somebody here in the Artist Forge audience needs to hear what you have to say and they may not even realize it it may not be until they hear you say it that they go oh my god that is the thing that i have needed and been waiting for so don't be afraid to tell your story particularly as we talk about diving into our own internal conflicts next week i hope if you're not part of the facebook group you'll grab the link up at the top there Um, click on that ask to join we will make sure we get you in there That is where we can always continue to have these conversations. A lot of really fantastic information has been shared there, um, links and resources that you have access to, as well as the live stream that we did last night, where we talked about the conversation over this past week, did some exercise in visual literacy, as well as um, talked a little bit about growth mindset. So those are awesome things that you have access to. And hopefully we will see everybody bright and early Monday morning at 7 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, 6 a.m. for the West Coast, 9 a.m. for the East Coast. And go have a fantastic weekend. Go make something amazing. And we will see everybody next week.
0: Thanks again for listening to this live Clubhouse discussion moderated by all of us at The Artist Forge. We hope you found the information useful and that it helps you gain a little bit of insight as to how you work on your craft. For more episodes, please join us each weekday on Clubhouse or visit theartistforge.com. Now go make something incredible.